Our gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew 21, verses 23 to 32. Listen to the word of the Lord. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not, but later changed his mind and went. The father went to the second son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. This past Monday, I got together with an old supervisor and pastor friend of mine who I would not seen for 16 years. He and I had recently had a disagreement over Facebook. I know it's, it's hard to imagine. And we decided, instead of trying to talk this out over the internet, why don't we talk together in person? Again, I know it's really hard to imagine Now, a lot has happened over the last 16 years since we'd seen each other. I've changed a lot. The world has changed a lot. We talked about where our families are and what we've been up to in our work life and family life, and that was really great. But eventually we got to talking about theology, and we got to talking about ethics, and eventually to a little bit of politics. And it was clear that we were in very different places and see the world so differently. Despite all that, we left our time together with an affection one for another that transcends all of our differences. How can we foster affection across our differences? Jesus enters the temple in our reading today, and is immediately confronted by powerful men who are more than a little upset with him, and with good reason. The previous day was Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey, and all these people gather around him and wave their palm branches and proclaim him to be the true son of David, which means he's the rightful heir to the throne in Jerusalem. 
And after that, Jesus entered the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and declared the leaders there in the temple to be a bunch of crooks. It's really a a demonstration, a protest that Jesus leads. And this is not some small religious dispute between Jesus and the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Because in ancient Israel, there was no separation of church and state. The temple was not simply a place for worship. It was the religious and and economic and political center of the entire nation. So Jesus enters the center of power in Jerusalem to occupy this holy and political space. And of course, the powerful are going to take notice and try to reassert their control on their turf. And that brings us to today's reading. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Now this is the first in a series of five challenges that we read about in Matthew wherein the powerful men of Jerusalem try to discredit Jesus. And in this first debate... We have the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now we might ask, well, who are they? Well, these are the wealthy elites of the time. They owned huge portions of land in Judea. And they ran the temple in Jerusalem with the blessing of Rome. It's easy to see them as the bad guys. We shouldn't be too hard on the chief priests and the elders. It's true that they were complicit with Rome. It's true that they became rich in the process while the common people suffered. But I suspect that many of them were doing the best that they could in a world of great moral ambiguity where doing the right thing isn't always easy to discern. I have sympathy for the priests and the elders because truthfully, I am closer to them in social position and influence than I am to Jesus and his followers. I need there to be hope for them if there is to be any hope for me. And so they ask Jesus where he gets his authority from. <laughs> They're hoping that if they can delegitimize Jesus, then his people's occupation that was taking place in the temple would fizzle out and things could go back to normal where they were in control. So they do what powerful people often do when confronted by someone who opposes their power. Show me your credentials, Jesus. Where did you go to college? Did you pledge? Who are you to challenge us? They're hoping to expose that Jesus is a country boy from a backwater town who speaks with an accent, who has no qualifications to do the things that he's doing. After all, how could the Messiah come without these powerful men in Jerusalem not knowing anything about it? And so they're seeking to trap Jesus. But Jesus is slick. He says, you know what, I'll I'll answer your question. Why don't you answer mine first? Remember John's baptism? Was that from God or did that come from people? Suddenly the, the trappers find themselves trapped. Now we might wonder, what is the big deal about John's baptism? Why 
does that matter? Well, the movement that John the Baptist started was a people's movement of renewal where scores of common people went to the wilderness for baptism, for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And that alone was a radical statement because the temple is the place where renewal and forgiveness of sins are supposed to take place. And John is letting the people know you don't need to go through those institutions anymore. You can meet with God with a wild man in the desert. Obviously, the chief priests and elders can't say that John's baptism was from God because if they did so, they delegitimized themselves. Most people aren't interested in doing that. And if they say it's from God, well, obviously that puts them in an untenable position. Well, why couldn't they just say that it was of human origin? Why was the big deal there? Well, Jesus is surrounded in this moment with a whole crowd of people in the temple, and they think that John was from God. And so these powerful elites, we find out, are afraid. They're afraid of the common people. It's always good to remember how afraid powerful people often are. We, we, we look at them and, and think that they can be so heartless and so immovable and so arrogant. Yet beneath that veneer of confidence, more often than not, lies a child who's afraid of losing his candy. And eventually the chief priests and the elders, they recognize they're trapped and they kind of mumble out. I imagine them looking at the ground. We, we don't know. And they have been bested by this country boy from Galilee. But Jesus isn't done with them yet. He decides to go on the offense a bit and he tells them a parable about two children who are asked by their father to go work in the vineyard, and the first says that he won't, but then went ahead and did it. And the second one said, oh, I'll go do that, Dad, and then doesn't. And Jesus asked, which of these did the will of their father? And the answer is obvious, the one who actually did the work. Easy parable. What's, what's the point, Jesus? Well, he lowers the boom on them by saying, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Fire. Imagine what this must have been like. Imagine how offensive it would have been for these powerful religious leaders to be talked to like this in public. See, Jesus isn't impressed by our power and our title. And his harsh treatments of the chief priests and the elders, beneath that harsh treatment is a plea to them. A plea to join the party. The only thing keeping the chief priests and the elders away from joining God's kingdom is themselves. They're the only things in their way. But there's something that they must do first. They must be willing 
to change their minds. They must be willing to be wrong. Now, you might have grown tired of me saying this in my sermons, but that, that word for repentance in Greek, it, it literally means to change your mind. And so if we're to be a part of Jesus' kingdom, if we're to be a part of God's politics, then we must be willing to change our minds. And Jesus says the tax collectors, the prostitutes, they're willing to do it. That's why they're getting into the kingdom ahead of you guys. See, being a part of the kingdom of God is not about uh, your credentials and your pedigree. It has everything to do with your willingness to be wrong. And not just once, but a continual practice of humility wherein we admit that we don't know as much as we think we do. Or as Rich Mullins once said, I think we were given the Scriptures. It was not so much so that we could prove that we are right about everything. It was to humble us into realizing that God is right and the rest of us are just guessing. Friends, we live in a divisive time when well-meaning people who are trying to follow Jesus come to very different conclusions. And everything in our world right now is trying to pull us apart, to assert our own rightness and those we disagree with as in the wrong. To be a follower of Jesus is to live that life of repentance, of continually changing our minds, continually realizing that I don't know everything. Here's the truth of my life at any given moment. I'm wrong about a whole host of things. I just don't know what they are right now. And so I ask you to Be gracious with me. Be gracious with yourself and with one another. I know how hard this is to do. It was hard for those chief priests and elders as well. But in the end, Jesus' parable actually has some hidden good news for them too. Because if the tax collectors and the prostitutes were getting into the kingdom of God ahead of the chief priests and elders, that implies those chief priests and elders were still getting in. They just had to wait their turn. See, God's kingdom has room for us all. Seeing my friend this week was a wake-up call that I needed. In all of our differences, our love for one another was as strong as ever. And why shouldn't it be? We are both children of God. And nothing can change that. The hidden good news of Jesus' parable is that at the end of the day, both children remain part of the same family. What a relief. And if we're honest with ourselves, we are both of these children in the parable. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we say we're going to do one thing and then sometimes we do another. But in the midst of all of that, we still remain beloved children of God. And so in this season of division, 
May we resist the urge to dismiss those with whom we disagree. And may we remember how little each one of us really knows and how deeply beloved each one of us remains. In God's politics, we are all beloved. Amen.